0: Howdy folks and welcome back to yet another week of happiness with the weekly Dose of Euphoria podcast. This week I was fortunate enough to chat with Matt Davey and his partner Anya while they were in Melbourne for a short stint. These two legends packed up their life over in the US and decided to road trip down through America and Mexico. Their travels brought them to so many amazing places including the Philippines and Bali and then now in Melbourne for a short stopover before they head back over to Mexico to continue their amazing journey. This episode is all about their story, in particular their courage, resilience to defy all the odds and live on the road for an indefinite amount of time. Matt is also the host of an amazing podcast channel called The Veg Talk Podcast. His message is very similar to mine. He's aiming to promote balance and sustainability through a plant-based lifestyle, the episode where Matt interviewed me to drop in a few weeks, guys, so stay tuned, and I hope you enjoy the show. Matt Davey, welcome to the weekly Dose of Euphoria podcast, mate
1: stoked to be here man awesome absolutely psyched thank you
0: unreal man i know i was following your page for a while we connected over instagram and um i love everything you're doing with the veg talk podcast and you and and your partner anna is that right that's cr- anna, correct anna but correct traveling yeah. the world at the moment exploring what we have to offer in this wonderful in this wonderful world and you're taking the podcast on road, which i'm going to dive into later on and it's awesome to catch you in melbourne for a short stint before you head back around the world where's where's next mate
1: so, we are flying to Los Angeles on Monday. Nice. Today is Tuesday. Perfect. So, we've got another week in Melbourne. We're going to land in LA, spend a couple of days there, but then we have to go back to Mexico to get the van. So, our van is parked at Anna's parents' house right now. So, we're going to go back to their, uh, their place and they, they live just south of Mexico City. Lovely. So, we'll get down there, get in the van and head back to the States and then we're going to find a place to settle down. in the states find another apartment and uh yeah we'll put the put the van life on hold for a minute
0: (laughs) so good dude i'm sure the experiences that that you and anna have created so far have been something you'll never forget
1: it's yeah it's been amazing uh we look back often and just think wow like what a cool idea and we're, we're stoked we you know we took the plunge and and did it
0: epic dude Alrighty, well, just to paint the picture for you guys, we are currently sitting in Matt's house in Beaumaris, and Buddy's in his crate over there sleeping like a good little boy. Um, Matt, I'm pumped to get into it, mate. But we're going to chat everything about what we were talking about before. But first, I want to start off. What was life like
1: for you growing up? So growing up, I mean, you know, we're here in Beaumaris today. So you're in my family home. This is where I grew up. And you know, when you, it's funny when you speak to people and you ask, you know. What was it like growing up, and everyone kind of s- seems to say it was, oh, you know, it was just pretty normal childhood. I suppose I fall into that because um yeah what what I know is is my my normal, I suppose, so really, growing up, I went to the local primary school just around the road uh, around the corner, sorry, uh, then I went to high school a little bit further away, but yeah, I was just an active kid, always playing playing sport I grew up playing cricket playing soccer Aussie rules football uh, tennis we're surrounded by tennis courts here and my dad plays tennis so that was something I've kind of played like my whole life Um, yeah and I suppose as a consequence of playing a lot of sport I was very thin all the time I never really um, never really yeah put on any weight so I think in terms of food the correlation between um real health and the way you look never really occurred to me because i just looked at the external body that i had and i was like oh i must you know i must be doing okay i'm i'm always thin um so it never really paid much attention to the food i was eating i would say mum, uh she she did a really good job of making sure we were eating you know healthy foods regularly like our school lunch boxes always had you know fruits celery sticks instead of like packets of chips as an example um yeah so she was on top of that Uh, but as we got older there was a thing we had here called monday night barbecues so dad had come home from work early you know he'd usually get home around seven so i think he'd you know on these mondays he'd come home at around five o'clock get home me and my brother sam would be you know we'd be here ready to start cooking with him. And looking back, the plate was just made up of what I would now call a cholesterol bomb. It was no joke. We were, you know, maybe a couple of sausages, a lamb chop, a fried egg, some chicken wings. And then there'd be a little bit of room for mum's salad. So, mum would make these epic salads like they were so good. But we'd always kind of, you push know, him push them aside or just like leave a little bit of room for them. Um, so, yeah, I think that was another, I suppose, another time in my life where I wasn't, I definitely wasn't connecting the dots, and that just went through until, um, I'd say, yeah, up all the way up until I started making the switch to a, to a healthier lifestyle was when I was, I was about twenty five. So, yeah, just uh, wound my way through university. At that time, I was probably drinking a lot out, you know, out partying uh, on weekends, um, taking drugs, uh, not excessively or anything, but my lifestyle was probably just not a real healthy one. I was smoking cigarettes. I smoked cigarettes up until probably from the age of like 19 to, to 25. Wow. Um, which some people are like, what the, like hard to believe, yeah. but, um, yeah, thank God I met Anna. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure if that covers the childhood, but Definitely basically, did. you know, it was pretty, pretty normal. It was primary school into high school, into university. And at university, I studied business, uh, two degrees. I studied a business degree and a outdoor recreation degree, uh, at the same time. And that was at Monash, uh, down in Frankston awesome degree. I think it put two things that I was enjoying at school together. So I always loved being outdoors, loved outdoor recreation, uh, hiking, canoeing, kayaking, uh, all that type of stuff. But then I think in the back of my mind, I wanted um, to move into the business world when I was 18 at least. I wanted to move into that. Whether you know, I studied accounting, so I thought that would be a good way to make money. So that's where I went. Uh, didn't end up going down that route though. <clears throat>
0: definitely dude well amazing recollection of your childhood and you touched on before that every monday night you sort of had a had a family night family barbecue and it seems to me that you're all through childhood you were very family orientated how do you think that that has shaped you into the person you are today
1: that's a good question man that's a really good question um my family have always been i'd say really tight knit um and my parents' relationship, I think, is something that has um if, well not it's kind of shaped me in a way that I, they've been a really good example um for for my brother and I. So moving into a relationship with, with Anna, that's probably been the biggest um yeah, the biggest shaper in my life is is seeing these these two people that, you know, they never argue, never raise their voice at each other. And always keeping that in the back of my mind, because um, I think I'm, I can often be a little bit more hot-headed or a short fuse. You know, I've um, I've been that way in the past. So if I'm, if Anna and I are having a, you know, a disagreement, uh, trying to keep that in mind that you know, you don't have to be aggressive. You don't have to have a short fuse. You can, uh, you can get through problems in a in a pragmatic way. Um so I think yeah those two have been yeah an awesome example uh for for me and my brother.
0: Yeah, yeah. fantastic dude. And do you think that form of connection sort of enabled you to understand the whole veganism lifestyle a bit more easier?
1: That's another awesome question. I think with with veganism uh and and finding it I honestly th- I don't think the family um the family connections I had played much of a part. I think what happened was I was probably someone that wasn't open to change a lot. So <clears throat> a funny thing was I used to work back in a deli, uh, a local deli. So it was one of my first jobs. So this is just you know slicing, slicing meat, slicing cheese, um, serving salads and, and whatnot at this deli. But I would work in this deli. And across the store, there was another dude that I'd work with uh, in the produce section. So he'd be putting in the fruits and vegetables. He was a vegetarian, and I was not. I was, you know, I suppose a product of my environment. I was eating, you know, those processed meats, cheeses uh, regularly. And we would have debates about, um, you know, vegetarianism do fish feel pain? all those types of kind of discussions. And I was not very open to them. My responses would often be something like, oh, Matt, his name was also Matt. (laughs) You know, why why don't you just eat a steak, man? Like, don't you miss meat? Like, that would be a common response. Not really thinking these, I suppose, cool topics to talk about. I wasn't really thinking them through. I'd just give um, off-the-cuff kind of meat-eater responses. So that was one seed. And then the second one for me would have been quitting cigarettes. So Anna one day said, Matt, you're always complaining about smoking cigarettes, but you don't stop. So I think you should either stop complaining and you can continue smoking, but just stop complaining about it or stop it altogether. And from that day, that just clicked. It made so much sense. And from that day, I stopped smoking cigarettes. And for me, that was huge because it was a signal that I could change my behavior. I could change my habits. So when we went down the road of healthier eating and uh, we finally found some documentaries that you know, shifted our, um, our journey a little bit, I wasn't scared of it. I wasn't scared to, to make the change then and there. So literally from one day to the next, you know, I was in the fridge getting rid of all the eggs, all the cheese. Uh, we had some, we had some salmon in the freezer. That was all going straight away. I wasn't afraid of uh, making the switch because I knew I could do it. So I think, I think that was the biggest uh, connection, or I suppose that was the the best thing for me when switching to veganism.
0: Yeah, amazing, dude, and I love that point that you raised there—that the achievement of quitting smoking actually made you realise that, wow, you can actually do this and you can you can change like that so soon. And, and I think the stigma around a lot of people and change is they don't want to do it and they don't, you know, they haven't had that sort of aha moment when they can actually do it and believe in themselves that they can actually do it. And I often hear as a, as a personal trainer and in my industry when I chat to people about veganism, I couldn't do it. I love meat too much. I love this too much. I, I could never give it up. But hearing you say that, it's just making it possible that definitely you can coming from the background that you did.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I think, I think often we, we grow up wanting to fit in. You know, that's, I think that's human nature especially in, in the environment of high schools, right? All you want to do is, is fit in. So, you, you know, you make friends. Your friends are very similar. You all do very similar things. You don't stray too far from the pack. Despite it maybe not being true to yourself, right? You, you would rank fitting in number one and true to self might, you know, feature somewhere down the list. So... Yeah, I don't think it's abnormal for people to go through the rest of their life boxing themselves in to this identity that they've made for themselves so that they can, you know, continue to fit in with friends, colleagues, whatever it might be. Um, And I understand that. I understand that making a change like that is hard. You know, what what happens when you go to the pub after work and, you know, everyone's going to have a chicken parma and a pot of beer and you're going to have a salad because that's all that's on offer at the pub that's that can be daunting for some people so i I completely understand it um and yeah i've got no doubt that if there's some kind of pre-event that you've had in your life that kind of opens your eyes to the possibilities of what you can do then yeah it's going to be easier without a doubt
0: definitely dude and do you have any tips for people that are, are at home and maybe contemplating going veganism or even on the other end of the spectrum not even contemplating changing their diet at all but trying to change a part of their life that's causing them detriment do you have any tips on how to push past that
1: for veganism if if you are like if it's um you know if it's front of mind for you and and you want to make the switch easy swaps <clears throat> it's got to be the I, I think it's the the number one thing that that helped us when we were first making the transition. So things like, you know, things like using tofu and tempeh. It's like, it's a bit of a, you know, it's a nice consistency. You can marinate it um, and chuck it on a whole bunch of different things. Salads, you can put it into sandwiches. You can make, you know, tempeh bacon, all those types of things. So swapping out maybe some meats for tofu, tempeh. Even mushrooms, mushrooms are awesome, uh, awesome consistency. Um, again, you can marinate them and uh, really yeah, get that meaty kind of uh, texture to them. So milk, if you're still on dairy milk, easy swap. Go to the supermarket, look at the wall of plant milks. Choose two, three different ones. Take them home and see which one you like the most. And stick with it. Um, a great example is my parents. So, it took them a long time to shift away from the dairy. But, yeah, eventually, you know, I think they saw the, the benefit of it. And they tried almond milk. They hated it. They didn't like almond milk. I was surprised by that. <laughs> but uh, they didn't like almond milk. So, I said, all right, not a problem. If you don't like almond milk, go and try maybe soy or coconut or you know whatever else that you find on the shelf they got soy next time and they loved it so they started using soy on their um on their breakfast and i think when they go to the cafe in the morning they get a soy you know latte or soy flat white whatever it might be so yeah don't get yourself down if you don't like one of them because there's a shitload of them you know there's a there's a lot of different options out there so that's meat and dairy covered And then eggs, I don't know, tofu scramble. Definitely. It's a go-to for me. Or just go straight, go completely opposite direction and start eating oatmeal in the morning. That was what I started doing. So rather than the typical fry up, you know, it was oats for breakfast every single morning. I think for the last three years, I've been having oats for breakfast (laughs) (laughs) 9.99
0: times out of
1: 10 Um, and just cover it in berries, seeds, nuts, um, flax meal, all that kind of stuff that, yeah i'm sick right now but you know not normally sick it's rare for me to get sick nowadays and i think it's because of yeah the way we eat um yeah throughout the year so
0: i couldn't agree more and on the on the note we just dove into types of foods and, and replacements and things like that and it's important to recognize that you might be thinking and scratching up your face saying, oh, I don't like tofu, I don't like berries, I can't eat them. Mm. It's important to recognize that your taste buds do change once you start to incorporate more plant foods in, in your diet. So a good example, my partner, Beck hated mushrooms, would not go near them with a 10-foot pole. Now she loves them, eats them raw. So just like the taste buds changing over time is is important to recognize and, and it's actually uplifting to know that, you know, at yeah. one day, like those sorts of foods.
1: They definitely do change. Um, I think I've personally always eaten relatively healthy. So, you know, bringing more fruits and vegetables into my life wasn't a, a huge deal. But we've got to understand for some people, we're not, you know, it, it could be mainly uh, processed packaged foods that they're they're consuming on a daily basis. So bringing in completely new array of foods... You know their palate is going to be like whoa. You know what what is going on. But if I think if you give yourself a week or two, it doesn't have to be a huge amount of time of consistently eating a different way. Your palate is going to change. Uh, that is that is a fact. Uh, back uh, also you you had a different another question for me and that was for people in general that are looking to change their you know their life uh, in general. I don't know. I think um, if if what you're doing on a daily basis is causing any sort of unhappiness or unfulfillment, you know, you're not fulfilled by your job or uh, what you're doing on the weekend, whatever it might be, I think what we need to look at is, okay, I'm doing X, Y, and Z day in, day out and it's producing this result. What if I changed a couple of the components of my week Let's see if it makes a difference. You know, I might join a gym. I might start rock climbing. Um, I might buy a van and travel around <laughs> America. Um, but no, you can make small changes. Um, maybe a couple of vegan meals a week might make, start f- might make you start to feel better. Um, more exercise. But it doesn't have to be an 100% switch. Uh, so I would, yeah, I would look at your, look at the makeup of your week, identify what you don't love about it and try and switch it for something that you really do love internally that you know you love.
0: Definitely, great answer, dude. And important to raise as well. I think um, as humans, we, we want to go in all or nothing. So we want to gradually like change a numerous amount of things at, at the times so for example if you're changing your diet you you go gung-ho and you take everything out of your out of your cupboards at the one time but i think in terms of like sustainable happiness and whether that's through your diet or through your lifestyle um a gradual transition is the best one and not saying that people that do it overnight is is incorrect it's just i think appealing to a wider range of people gradual transition works works better for a lot of things
1: yeah if you have the capacity to do it overnight Go for it. Go for it. I'm not going to stop you, for sure. But if you struggle with that, there's nothing wrong with going, yeah, bit by bit. Um, and I think as you get into a new routine, you'll, you'll pick it up faster and faster as you uh, do it more consistently. So, yeah, whichever way you think is best for you, go about it that way. I think it's, um, yeah, different. everyone's different.
0: Awesome, dude. Now, getting into life on the road, uh, I'm really excited to get into this conversation because <laughs> I think you could give the listeners at home some um, some hidden gems from what you're saying. Bring it back first. You
1: grew up in Melbourne, Australia, then you moved over to the US. Why did you go over to the US? So, I was, it was 2013. So, I was 23 at the time um, and I basically just graduated university. So, I had a job out of uni uh, that a great group of people wasn't necessarily a job that I loved or, or wanted to continue, but it was a great job out of school. I knew from the day I took that job that I was going to be going on a, a six month. It was about six months, I think, a uh, trip of Europe with a, a few friends from home. So I started planning that pretty early on once university had finished. So yeah, I decided to go to, to Europe and, um, yeah, started planning that pretty early on in when I started this job. I think once I started planning the trip, it was Mum that came to me and said, oh, you know, I used to work with this girl uh, that did, it was basically a year work and holiday thing in, in America, in the US. And she's like, I believe it's pretty easy to get as long as you've just finished like a university degree, which I had. So I looked into it a little more and yeah, it, seemed quite, quite easy. I went through an agency called CCUSA. I think you might have to be under 30 years old and just completed a a full-time university degree. I'm pretty sure that was the only prerequisite. And yeah, applied, went through all the, you know, the paperwork um, and yeah, got this 12-month working holiday visa in the US. And it was going to start basically when I finished my Europe trip so when I was coming to the end of the Europe trip me and a mate went to Iceland and then we flew across to the States so we went to New York City and um, got to New York and I said to the guys that I was meeting up there I was like look I'm going to travel with you as long as I possibly can before because Europe you know kind of sucks your bank account after after six months so I didn't have a whole lot of cash but I thought I could you know I could at least go a little bit of the way with them. They had a whole USA trip planned. Got through two weeks of New York City, also an expensive place to kind of park yourself for two weeks. And then we went to Boston for a week. After the week in Boston, I had a look at my bank account. And um, yeah, it wasn't looking great. I think I had about $2,000, 2500 left. And I was like, holy shit, I've just bought this you know, year visa here. In America. And if I want to use it, I'm probably going to have to stay, you know, in this location if I really want to get serious about finding a job and and finding a place to stay. So I said goodbye to my friends and they kept going down south towards, I think, Florida at the time. And I gave, I, I booked a hostel in Boston. So I basically decided between Boston and New York City as well. I'm like, I've been to those two places. I like them both, but I think Boston's a little bit smaller, and um, probably gonna be more friendly in terms of finding a job and a place to stay. Really glad I I chose Boston. um, And yeah, I gave myself a week in this hostel and yeah, kind of like bunkered down, did some job interviews and found a place to stay, which was lucky, it was month to month. So in hindsight, looking for an apartment in Boston with only $2,000 to your name is not a good idea because you have to pay I think it's like first month rent, last month rent, security. Yeah. And when, when that adds up, Definitely. yeah, yeah, you're going to be in trouble with 2000 bucks, but I found a month to month place and yeah, that was kind of how I got to the States. I just wanted to work, um, in another country. I thought it was a good opportunity and it was a pretty flexible visa. It was allowing me to travel, um, you know, if you had the money to travel, so, It was really up to you i'd recommend it to anyone if it's still available i've got no idea but um yeah awesome awesome opportunity i'm glad i i'm glad i I took it
0: awesome dude and then what was next what was making you get itchy for the for the travel bug again and, and why'd you why'd you get on the road
1: so this is so to get on the road we're fast forwarding five years from the time i got to boston so um i'll fill you in Briefly yeah, on, on what happened, so um, basically two months into my stay in Boston, I'd found this job and it required that I went to New York City for some training and on my first day of training, I got put in a group with my now partner, Anna, so we met in New York City through work and yeah, we got on really well in that week that we were there and we just started dating kind of back and forth between Boston and New York so that was, you know, that was awesome, we had a lot of fun, it's the travel kind of, it's like four hours on a bus, so uh, she was doing a lot more travel than me as well, so that was like eight hours a weekend of road travel, kind of, you know, yeah, it takes, it it takes toll. its toll, so she came up to Boston after about six months, um, and yeah, that's probably a good place to, you know, fill your listeners in on on, on what happened, so we're still together today and we lived together in Boston for about five years. But after five years, uh, we, I don't know, we were basically, we're we're both travelers. We've both traveled around the world. Um, We've done a bit together, but we've also done some separately as well uh, before we met. And I can't say, you know, I wasn't loving my work. It's like, yes, it was a good paycheck. You know, you get that paycheck um, every week. It's nice and secure and safe Um, but there's something inside of you that kind of just says dude you're not you're not loving this and uh, we started looking at van life on uh, Instagram and we thought it looked pretty cool good way to kind of travel America Uh, it's a great place to road trip and I found this couple uh, they were uh, traveling throughout America they were from Europe They're doing uh, America, Canada, and Mexico in their van. And the model of van was one that we'd been looking at uh, to build out, to to hit the road in. So I reached out to them, said, hey, love your travels. And I'd just like to ask some questions if I can about like how you built it, registration, insurance, all that kind of stuff for, for living in a van. Really helpful, the guys were. And about three days later after trading, you know questions and answers back and forth he basically just said you know we're going to be selling it in Montreal you know it was like summer last year 2 2018 and he's like yeah we're going to be selling it in Montreal you guys live in Boston do you do you just want to buy the van off us and and, and I were kind of like wow that's a crazy opportunity you know we don't have to go and buy a an empty van and and build it out. I'm not a carpenter by any stretch of the (laughs) imagination. So for me to build, uh, build out a a van with, you know, a kitchen and bed would have been a daunting task in itself. Um, I'm sure we would have got there, but yeah, this opportunity presented itself and that's how van life kind of came to, sorry, kind of came to be. Uh, And in addition to that, I'd started my podcast and I had this big post-it note on the, it was like a giant post-it note on the wall. And for months, I just had podcast and van, question mark. So I'd walk past that every day. I suppose it was a nice reminder um, that, you know, seeing that every day was like, okay, can it work? Can that work? And yeah, those two things came together. And we took the podcast on the road and wanted to travel on the road. Anna and I wanted to um you know keep working on her blog and take photos for her blog start a youtube channel all that kind of stuff and just use it as a bit of a creative outlet uh, because i think the environment that we'd created for ourselves was um a little restrictive and limit limiting i think so yeah we just wanted to go out and explore and be creative
0: yeah, awesome, dude. And back on the podcast, you've built up a, an amazing channel called The Veg Talk Podcast, I believe. Um, what made you start this podcast? And when you started it, were you, were you adopting a plant-based
1: lifestyle as well? So I'd been vegan for three years. And again, uh, starting the, the plant-based lifestyle, I started to get really passionate about it because you start to see the health benefits uh, that it can have for people um in all walks of life it doesn't matter if you know you've got heart disease high cholesterol if you're an athlete uh if you're just a regular dude you know doing the nine to five thing which is exactly what I was doing at that time and yeah I started to feel really really good uh after adopting a plant-based diet so naturally you want to tell people about it so yeah after learning that not everyone wants to hear about your new diet um you kind of let it go but Eventually, people do start asking questions. You know, I'd, I'd rock up to the office. Uh, these guys would get catering every Wednesday. So, fully catered for the whole office. Um, you know, average takeaway food most of the time. Nothing special. Pretty unhealthy stuff. Uh, but you've got 150 people queuing up for this, this catering every Wednesday. I'd skip the queue, go to the fridge and get my mason jar out of the fridge and dump this massive... Salad onto a plate and walk past everyone who's waiting for you know Chinese takeaway, and that's when a lot of questions started to to come up because I'd see me bringing my own food, choosing not to eat the catering in favor of my own you know homemade food. So once I started to to talk to people more about plant based eating, um, one of my mates at that job actually switched to a plant based diet, um, and and experienced some pretty cool benefits straight off the bat um but yeah i I started to feel a love for for that talking to people helping people with their questions and i was always kind of itching to say like how can i get involved in this movement Um, at a bigger level rather than just in the office and yeah for a while there i was kind of just like, oh, should I start a podcast? People like Rich Roll, very inspiring. You know, starting a podcast with not many people listening. And he's worked away at it consistently over six years. And the content keeps getting better and better. And the guests and the conversation he has, uh, really inspiring. And I thought, you know, I reckon I could do that. It took a little while, but uh, with with some help from Anna, she was kind of just like the last straw. She's like, just do it. Just buy the equipment. It'll arrive and get started, start reaching out to some people and start talking to them. And yeah, I think that was that was pretty much it. I just wanted a way to be involved in the movement. And I thought that a podcast would be the best thing for me. Yeah, definitely, dude. Yeah. And what has been the most rewarding thing since starting the podcast? So on the travels, it's, it's probably been something that we didn't expect, but it's been just amazing meeting uh, a wide variety of people around the country. Um, so I think the most rewarding thing from the podcast is just the connections you make and the and the and the conversations you have. I mean, that's exactly what a podcast is. But you know, meeting people in person, um, and chilling out with them for a little while and having like a a more deeper and meaningful conversation than than maybe you usually would if you were out at a at a bar or. You Definitely. know, having lunch with someone, we tend to get straight into the deeper kind of stuff with a podcast. So, um, yeah, I would say that in and of itself is is the most rewarding thing of of the pod.
0: Awesome, dude. Great answer. I'm much the same. And, and yeah, ha- since starting my podcast, it's been so rewarding getting to meet people like you with awesome stories. Uh, I absolutely love it and don't regret a thing. Now, I want to chat about your time on the road. What was the plan? Did you want to pack up and see where, where it took you or did you have
1: a rough timeline? Let's talk about that. So the plan was, once we got the van, it was, it was uh, September 2018. So we got the van and brought it back to Boston from Montreal. We ended up leaving two months later, so it was November, November the thirteenth, two thousand and eighteen. We we decided to leave, and we we didn't really have a timeline to begin with, so we just wanted we had a, a, a basically a roadmap that we we knew we were going to stick to. So we went across the northern states in America. So we left Massachusetts, went through New York, uh, went up into Toronto, Canada, and then we followed. Uh, the road back down into the States, um, went through like Ohio, uh, Chicago, uh, sorry Illinois, Wisconsin, uh, Minnesota, South Dakota, Montana, and finally hit the West Coast in Washington. So that was our first bit. Then we hit, uh, went straight down the West Coast. Um, so that was a really cool time in the van. Actually, two weeks in Oregon, uh, a bit of time in California. And it was there in California on new year's eve we were in santa barbara overlooking santa barbara from a a, a site that we were going to stay at and we made yeah we kind of made a pact that we'd do our best to travel for the full length of 2019 so we've kind of changed it again since then we we don't think we're going to get through the whole year but uh after after the states we we drove into mexico uh, so we went all the way down Baja California into the mainland of Mexico and then we drove to Anna's parents house which is south of Mexico City uh, and at that point it all happened relatively quickly because we did leave a little later than we, we initially thought. Uh, so at that point uh, it was entering into Mexico was the beginning of January. So all the way from Boston to San Diego it really probably was only um, six weeks Wow. So it's a long way to go in that time. Um, and then after Mexico, we, we knew we were flying to Australia. So we flew from Mexico to Los Angeles, back into Australia, um, hung out with my parents, uh, family, family and friends here in, in Melbourne. Uh, also went to Adelaide. Then after a, a, about a month stint in Australia, we booked a trip to Bali. So we checked out Bali and then we went to the Philippines back to Bali for a couple of nights, and then we met mum and dad in Brisbane, which is, I mean, most of your guys probably know where Brisbane is, so um, up the coast on, on the east side of Australia, and we drove from Brisbane uh, back to Melbourne over over two weeks, so we saw some amazing places along the way, and yeah, that brings us to where we are now, and then we'll be going back to Mexico and America. Epic, dude, and I'm sure like you've had some amazing experiences, seen some amazing
0: things, and Let's talk about how these experiences have changed your outlook on life.
1: So I think, I think from the beginning where, you know, it does seem really daunting to kind of leave, leave a job you have that is secure. Um, You've got, you know, in America, you have like all your health insurance, your dental vision, all covered by your job and all that kind of stuff. So leaving that consciously is like, it's a, it's kind of a scary prospect to hit the road, uh, and yeah, forego what you, yeah, we're receiving from, from that job. But beyond that is something I think so much more rewarding. You, yeah, you get to work on, yeah, the creative projects that you'd set out for yourself or, you know, whatever it might be. It could be a new job. It could be, uh, starting your own business. Um, But basically what I've learned is that I think it's definitely worth giving that a crack. Like what's the worst that could happen? What is the worst thing that could happen? You know, I have to go back to a full-time job. I think that would be the worst possible scenario. My idea was to grow the podcast, um, continue to grow Anna's blog and YouTube channel. And we've decided to start a, a Spanish version of the podcast as well along the way while we've been on the road. So yeah, just knowing that it's possible, you know, even if it doesn't all work out this time around, I think in the long run, it will all work out. And uh, as long as I keep continually uh, working on projects consistently and yeah, bringing people what they're looking for, uh, I think it's a really good learning experience.
0: Definitely dude. And that's such an important message that I think everyone can take out in their day to day life, whether they're gonna pack up and go for go for a drive around the whole world or, or they're just trying to change things gradually. I think that's such a important message that you're spreading. Now, obviously everyone knows that travelling is quite challenging in itself, let alone being on the road. What are some of the challenges that you've you and Anna have experienced, <laughs> in particular being vegan? How have you managed eating plant based on on the road?
1: So eating plant-based on the road has been okay. So in the van we have a stove. We have uh we have a bit of a it's like a two-burner cooktop. So not a problem. You know, all all through the states most most cities that we went to have uh, really good options. Um, so that that wasn't wasn't hard at all. Grocery stores, co-ops along the way uh, to buy you know, fresh fruit, fruits and vegetables, doesn't matter where you are, you know, we've been in Ithaca, New York, we've been in, oh, uh, you know, what was it, it was in Montana, somewhere, but they've got these amazing co-ops, where, yeah, fresh fruits and vegetables are available, and we just cook them up in the van, Epic. so that was cool, um, Mexico, a little bit harder, because you lose those, uh, you lose those plant-based restaurant options that america has uh, so we we're doing a lot more cooking in the van um, so not a real not a real problem in mexico they've got amazing fresh fruits vegetables tortillas so we we're eating a lot of tacos um, that kind of that kind of traditional uh, mexican food just made plant-based beans were like a big thing we'd always have cans of beans because uh, they're filling they're good for you And yeah, I think we were averaging probably one can of beans a day. We'd split between us. Uh, That was pretty pretty good staple. Rice, um, potatoes, those types of things. Now, coming to Australia, obviously easy as, no problems at all. Even in some of the smaller towns throughout Australia, we've seen, uh, yeah, some menus that are really cool. Like we were in Robe, South Australia, probably the best bowl of plants i've ever had was epic the place was called number four i think awesome so if you are driving from adelaide to melbourne yeah number four robe south australia epic place uh with i think it was one of their only vegan options but um you know i'm sure if people demand more of it they'll be they'll be bringing the people more of it so yeah some surprising places like that where you are out um, in, in smaller towns and still getting really, really good, um, meals, Bali easy. The big one for us was the Philippines. So just before we left Bali, we met a couple who had just traveled to the exact same province as us. Oh, sorry. Exact same province that we were going to be going to in the Philippines. And they were also vegan. And they said it was the biggest challenge they've had as, as plant-based eaters. So that got us a little nervous and they yeah, they they told us that at times they the only option they had was an Oreo and peanut butter sandwich. <laughs> so that's two pieces of white bread with peanut butter that's got a lot of sugar in it. Their peanut butter over there in the Philippines, ton of cane sugar in it. So it's really sweet peanut butter with Oreos in it. And I was I think Anna was okay with that. But I was thinking this sounds terrible. That that sounds absolutely horrible. Thankfully, we didn't have one Oreo and peanut butter sandwich in our time in the Philippines. Um, we made sure that the Airbnbs we got did have kitchens. That was our kind of thought. Okay, if if that's what they're saying is true, if there's not like a good amount of restaurants that have uh, options, then let's let's get kitchens at our places. And yeah, I mean, the meals weren't anything special. A um, little bit of a challenge because you're eating kind of the same thing over and over again, uh, but mainly rice noodles, vegetables. Um, we did some potatoes and and stuff like that. Just not a wide diversity of foods. We thought going to the Philippines, there'd be a huge diversity of of fruits, vegetables on offer. Um, but when you get to the islands uh, outside of Manila, yeah, the I think they're more focused on, you know, they have their own chickens. They might have a cow, a couple of pigs and, uh, yeah, the diversity of plants is, is not as, as wide as we would have liked, but we got through it. We got through it. We weren't hungry. And, um, I suppose that was kind of the, um, that was what we had to, we had to give up that, you know, comfort of amazing vegan restaurants to explore this amazing part of the world. It was beautiful.
0: And the benefits clearly outweighed their negatives there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you go into places that there are no, the islands that we chose to go to, some of them, we were the only tourists that we saw on the island. If you compare that with Bali, Bali's a beautiful place, but you know that you're in a tourist destination when you get there. Going to the Philippines, yeah, we were going for hikes up to these waterfalls and the only people that would be there would be like, you know, a few local kids uh, so, when that was what we had to give up to have the experience that we did, I'd do it all over again. You know, I know that we can eat plant based there it's just not gonna be that exciting
0: definitely dude unreal message that you're that you're spreading and and the experiences that you've had have just been breathtaking'. I'm- Feel like I'm traveling on the road with you, dude. <laughs> now you've landed. You're back in Melbourne. Now, what are your plans for the future? You, we were chatting briefly before the podcast about it, but just for the listeners, let them let them know what your plans are.
1: Yeah. So basically, from here, yeah, back to the back to the van. Uh, so we will be going back up the west coast, but I think we're going to move from from the east coast where we were situated to the west coast. So we're thinking around the Portland, Oregon area um there's a town just across the border in in washington that we're looking at so yeah that's the plan in terms of where we want to live amazing nature hiking trails vegan food um, on offer there i think it's a really good vibe so we're looking forward to that and we really just want to continue the podcast um if that means getting another job to supplement you know income while we're there and that's exactly what we do. We'll do, but we really want to continue spreading uh, the message through meaningful conversations with people. I think this is where, as humans, we, uh, you know, we have the ability to deeply resonate with, with a conversation and then make change in our own life as a result of that. Uh, so, that's the, the path I want to keep going on. Um, and I, is starting the, the Spanish version of the podcast as well. So if you've got any Spanish speaking people, look out for Veg Talk Espanol. Um, we're going back to Mexico and, and recording a bunch of cool conversations there. And that's another thing that we want to we spread because if you look at the plant based world, it is very dominant in the English language. The information is readily available in English, not Spanish. it's lacking there so we we want to bring those people the same content the same beneficial information uh so we'll be doing that and uh yeah continuing to explore that local area so i mean if you want to catch us um i'm on instagram at matt x and that's where i post like some travel photos um but also at veg talk that's v-e-d-g-e-t-a-l-k that's the podcast uh, and then VegTalk Espanol uh, is, our, is our other one.
0: Yeah, awesome, dude. And I'm sure a lot of people will be following that. I've personally had a look at your personal blog, the images that you've taken, dude, to just breathtaking. So yeah, unbelievable. You've been on this amazing journey and I'm sure your message might have changed or might have been adjusted from when you started to now. What is your main message now and what are you, what are you aiming to do with your everyday life?
1: Great question, man. That is a that's a good one. I think everyday life is just keep the vision in front of me and just continually keep wa- working towards that. Just know that you know, it's possible that it could take months, years like you know, 5 years, 10 years to where you want to get it to to the place you want it to be. It's I'm in it for the long haul, I suppose, is um, what I've learned and, um, yeah, the message I'll be sending myself at least uh, as I as I continue. I think when I began, um, yeah, the idea of it, it was a little bit different. Um, I might have, I don't know, thought it might have been easier than what it was going to be. Yeah, juggling juggling life on the road with work um yeah it can it can be it can be hard sometimes but it's nice having uh someone like Anna that can keep um yeah keep me on track and if I'm having a bad day show me a different perspective that keeps me on keeps me on track so yeah just holding that vision right in front of me and yeah continuing to to provide for people I suppose that's the most important thing
0: awesome dude and the strength and resilience and courage that you've shown you know packing up and and moving life on the road is inspiring and i know i'm definitely leaving this podcast inspiring and you and and are doing incredible things and both a little power couple so good on you guys and thank <laughs> you so much for for your time today mate appreciate it
1: thank you man thanks for having me on the show and uh yeah look forward to recording one on, on my show Epic. On.
0: and that's this week's dose of euphoria Connect with myself and the Euphoria Health community on Instagram or Facebook at Euphoria Health. Through these channels, you'll find cool workouts, plant-based recipes and daily challenges. Until next time, guys, I'm your host, Matt Sampala,
1: And remember, don't settle for anything less than Euphoria.